Welcome to the Family Life Church Podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us today. Our hope today is that this podcast brings life to you and that you leave this message encouraged, equipped, and empowered to live the amazing life God designed for you. My favorite day of the year. This whole week has just been so fantastic and it's great, great, great to see you today. Uh, You know, this is a great day to celebrate with friends. Don't you agree? To get together with friends and family and just celebrate. So we want to take just 30 seconds real quick. And we're going to have everybody just get up, go high five someone, tell them that you're glad to see them. Just let them know how happy you are. They're here worshiping with you right now. Guys, cue the music. Let's go. 30 seconds, everybody. Hit it really hard. Let's do it. Let's go. Come on. I know if I don't reel you in, it'll be an hour and a half, right? Isn't it fun to be around good people? Come on. Come on. Did you have to think about it when I said that? Is that what that was? It's like, huh, let me see. Isn't it good to be around good people? Yeah. Worshiping a good God. Man, we're so excited that, that you are here. And FLC, while we're at it, let's give a huge cheer to all our guests here today. Come on. Make them feel welcome. Welcome. Keep your hands warmed up. Let's give it up for the OC, our online campus. Guys, thanks for joining us. If you're listening later by podcast, thanks for for tuning in. I also want to take a second today here at the start just to sort of uh, just uh, talk about, brag on somebody that I really, really admire here today. And that's my good friend, Mr. Brian Swingle, down here on the front row. Can you guys give it up for Brian? I love Brian. And if you know Brian, you love Brian. If you don't love Brian, you don't know Brian. Because if you know him, you love him. Brian is an amazing man. He's a, he's a, a huge part of our dream team. He's a co-leader of our pastoral care ministry. He also helps to lead the longest running life group at Family Life Church. Nonstop, continuous, constantly running life group called Sweet and Sassy. Yeah. Any sweet and sassiers in the room? Anybody sweet and sassy in the room? Yeah. Come on, where are you? I know you guys are louder than that. Come on, you're the the greatest. Yeah, there we go. Sweet and sassy. Meet every Thursday, right? Every Thursday, I think, at 10 a.m. What an amazing group. And and Brian is just uh, an awesome guy. He's always full of energy. If uh, dad's in the room, if you're a dad in the room, and you don't have any dad jokes... Brian's your guy. He's like the Walmart of dad jokes. It's amazing. Aisles filled with them. It's just fantastic. Just love it. Just the best, best, best. And uh, Brian, we love you with all of our heart. I asked Brian recently, I said, so how many, I think it was just the last couple days we were chatting, and I said, how, how many Easter Sundays will this Sunday be for you? You ready for this number? Today is Brian's 64th Easter Sunday service. Is that amazing? And he's only 50. It's just crazy. I don't know how. 
the math works out. But Brian, we love you with all my heart, man. Thank you so much for being here and celebrating with us today. You know, this is the thing, guys, is that this is what this is all about. It's what it's all about. We're here because of a great God who loves great people. Amen? And it's good to be with, with great people today. Uh, today also marks the 14th year since Pastor Kathy and I were asked by God to come back and lead this ministry. 14 years ago on Easter Sunday, 2008, was our first Sunday as lead pastors of this church. Uh, I grew up in this church, so but we coming back from other assignments that, that we were in. And so it's an honor for God to have asked us to come back and work with so many wonderful, wonderful people. And we're just uh, blessed to be able to do that. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And we're going to take a look today at an important passage on this Easter Sunday. And uh, we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to be with us in this word. And uh, my hope is that your heart is encouraged for what God has in your future. And I want to just open in prayer if we could. Father, we're just so grateful. We just pause to recognize your presence here with us right now. We're so honored, Lord, by your goodness, your grace, and your mercy upon us. Father, I pray today that you would anoint this word, that you'd open our hearts. Holy Spirit, help us to hear what you want us to hear. Take and fashion this word as you do as the, as the master locksmith. You fashion the key of the word to fit every heart. And we open our hearts right now to receive from your word in Jesus' name. Everybody say it out loud. I say, open my heart to receive from the word. So in Luke chapter 24 and verse 1, here's what we read. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they, this was Mary Magdalene and some other women, and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, these men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Amen? Jesus is risen. So I believe I have this passage to thank for um, some of the most indelible memories of my childhood, specifically verse 1. As a kid, uh, on Easter Sunday morning, mom would wake us up very early in the morning. It's exactly as verse 1 said. Very, very early in the morning. Uh, 4 a.m. to be exact, if I'm being honest about it. 4 o'clock in the morning. And that's based on the tradition in verse 1. Now, you have to understand that my dad uh, was a man of God. I believe he was around 21 years old when he gave his heart to Christ and began evangelizing. Now, keep in mind, that was back in 1940. 19, 1940, my dad was 21. And he gave his heart to Christ and began evangelizing as he traveled, preaching, he met my mom. My mom at the time was pastoring a church in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And dad came in to do a revival service for her. And as they say, the rest is history. They met 
got married, and as a married couple, then they moved to my mom's hometown, hometown of West Plains, Missouri, where they pastored a church there until God called them to Marion, Ohio in 1962 to pastor another church here in Marion. Two years later, they broke away from that church, launched their own ministry, and in 1964, Family Life Church, then known as the House of Prayer, was born in 1964. Uh, my dad pastored for 43 faithful years until he went on to his heavenly reward at the age of 88 in 2007, just shortly before Pastor Kathy and I moved back in 2008 to uh, step into this ministry. I've estimated that in that time as pastor that my dad likely preached over 7,000 sermons. 7,000. Can you remember one of them? <laughs> I think I remember all 7,000 of them. And I, I say all this to say that my parents had decades of experience, decades of experience in preaching and teaching and praying and evangelizing and seeing lives changed, singing, traveling, decades of experience before I came along even in 1968. They had decades of the Word of God under their belt by the time I arrived on the scene. And I just find it amazing that nowhere in all that journey, nowhere in all that journey, did it ever occur to them that while, yes, Luke 24 and 1 says early in the morning, it doesn't stink and say 4 a.m. <laughs> Never occurred to them. What on earth were they thinking? But they'd wake us up. I just had to get it off my chest. Thank you. Things you can't say as a five-year-old, right? <laughs> now right there's 47, 48 years of repressed early morning Easter Sunday. So we would get up groggy-eyed, and we would uh, get dressed, put on the clip-on tie. My sisters would put on their matching dresses that mom made for them, and we'd jump in the car, and we'd, we'd drive to church. Of course, the sun isn't up yet, right? And we're driving across town, and nobody else is awake, and we'd go our normal route to the, the church building, and, and on the way, of course, we'd get stopped at that one red light on Silver Street, wasn't blinking and my dad would always get caught by it and every Easter it was tradition he'd get mad and he'd say I don't know why I have to sit here and wait on this stinking thing nobody else is coming and he's right nobody else would show up and we'd be there and dad's complaining in the front row just moments away from preaching the word of God Now, why he never ran the red light? I just don't get that part. <laughs> and so we would get to the church, and the, the lights would be very low. Guys, can we, is it possible, uh, bud, just to dim these lights just a little bit, just for a little mood? Yeah, that's about right. If you're starting to feel tired, that's about right. As just a very, very solemn moment, Easter sunrise service. Everybody's whispering. Not really sure why. But it's good morning. Have 
we sing a couple songs, we receive communion, or uh, what we as kids referred to as breakfast. Because <laughs> you know, 4 a.m. And uh, we just kind of settle in for the rest of the service. And there was this couple that joined us every year. And they were, they were friends of my parents. They didn't attend our church, but they were friends of my parents. He played organ, played a mean organ. He played organ. And she sang opera. And their names were Hope and Jean Decker. I'll never forget Hope and Jean Decker. They were, they were bigger than life to all of us kids. And so all of us kids would be sitting in the second row on hard wooden pews. How are those chairs feeling right now for everybody? Everybody, everybody comfy? Everybody good? Hard wooden pews in the second row. And we would just be starting to nod off when we would hear... That did it. So we were waiting for the rest of the service. And might I remind you, 4 a.m. 4 a.m. So just a little insight into how we got here, where we are today, Easter Sunday morning. How many of you enjoyed that 8 a.m. start today? Anybody enjoy the 8 a.m. start? But, the, but there was something specific, specific about all that that made it work. Something very specific that, that made it work. When, when Mary Magdalene and the, and the other women that are with her come running that morning, which, by the way, was probably not at 4 a.m., uh, they did not see the tomb and think to themselves, goodness, thank you, I'm so glad the tomb is still here. They did not see the, the stone rolled away and and think something was amiss. They, they weren't looking for the structure. They weren't looking for the place. They didn't care about the condition of the grave or the stone or any of that or the exact right spot. And we know this because in Luke chapter 24, verses 2 and 3 remind us that they found the stone rolled away from the tomb and then they went in. So they didn't really care what the tomb looked like, where it was, that the stone was missing. They went on in. And then when they did not find what they were looking for, verse 4 says that they were perplexed. Perplexed. Now, I don't know about you, but often when I read the Bible, I pretty much assume I know what I'm reading. I read through it, and I'm like, yeah, okay, they were perplexed. But as I was reading through this text, and I came to the word perplexed, I feel like the Holy Spirit said, do you know what that means? And I've just learned enough to know that when the Holy Spirit asks you if you know something, the right answer is no. No, I don't. 
because he's wanting to tell you it's sort of rhetorical right you know what that means right the answer to that question is never yes it's always i have no idea i thought i did as i was like no and so i started looking at what perplexed means when you take this word and you begin to understand all of its origins, it's a beautiful word, actually. I love this word now. I love this word now that I understand what it means. They were perplexed. Here's what it means. It's, it's the picture of someone who has come to do a job and they're per- completely prepared. They're ready to do exactly what they had in mind to do. And then when they got there to the place where they were going to do the job, Nothing that they came to do was in order for them to do what they came prepared to do. And you know what that feels like. You walk in, you think you have it all together, but everything has changed, and all of a sudden you're like... It's like sitting in the pew as a six-year-old and somebody starts singing opera. It just takes you off guard. You don't know what to do with it. You're like, your brain is like... We don't know what this is, but it's beautiful. They were perplexed. What this word actually means is that they couldn't do anything. They could not do what they came to do. They had all their stuff together. They knew what they wanted to do, but when they got there, it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. And all their plans went out the window. They were hogtied. They were bound up. These are words that mean what perplexed means. Hogtied, bound up, couldn't move, nowhere to go. Literally, the picture is of a person walking into the tomb, seeing not what they expected, and literally doing this. Perplexed. The word means having no where to go nowhere to go it means we can't advance i can't move forward i'm stuck somebody say i'm stuck i'm stuck stuck. have you ever felt stuck in life have you ever felt stuck in a relationship have you ever felt stuck in an emotion have you ever felt stuck by lack of knowledge Have you ever felt stuck by fear or anxiety? If you've ever felt those things, then you know what these women were feeling that day. They were were stuck. I don't know how to advance. I don't know how to move forward. I don't know what to do. I'm I'm stuck. In John chapter 6, we come up on a, a similar situation. Jesus had just given his followers, which was a broader group than just the 12 disciples, Uh, a really difficult instruction. I'll let you go read it for yourself, but just suffice it to say that what he told them they needed to do was a really difficult thing to hear. In fact, that's the language that the broader group of disciples used in response to what Jesus had said. They said, Master, you've asked of us a difficult thing. And as a result, they walked away. They just walked, they were like, we can't do this. And so they they left. Jesus then in John 6 
And verse 67, let's read 66. It says, at this point, many of his, his disciples turned away and deserted him. They didn't, they didn't just go away to think about it. They were out. I'm gone. I'm done. And in verse 67, Jesus says to the other 12 that remain, he says, are you also going to leave? I want you to see Simon Peter's response. Simon Peter responds and he says, Lord, to whom would we go? Where are we going to go? These words that Peter uses in John 6, 68 is a direct reflection of what we see happening with the women in the tomb, which simply is the same thing as Peter saying, we're stuck. We're stuck. One of my favorite songs that I like to sing to my wife every now and then is by one of my favorite 1980s musical artists, Huey Lewis and the News. I'm a big Huey fan. Any Huey fans? Oh, come on. We've given you opera this morning, and you don't know Huey? One of my favorite Huey songs. Happy to be stuck with you. All right. It's the best I got right there. Go Google it. Peter's basically saying to Jesus, Jesus is like, are you guys leaving too? And they're like, we're stuck. (laughs) To whom are we going to go? And the phrase has its roots in the same phrase, they were perplexed. Because of how they had positioned themselves, they saw no other option. This is so important for us today. Because of how the women had prepared and positioned themselves that day to encounter the tomb, they had no other option. They were stuck. Because of how the disciples had responded to the ministry of Jesus and followed him, given the opportunity, they just realized we're stuck. Because of how they had positioned themselves. What what else were they going to do? What other option did they have? So it begs the question, though, a little bit in John 6 as to why could others walk away? Why could the other disciples walk away, but but these 12 could not? What was the difference? Why? Why was it that only Simon Peter and the other 11 stayed? What caused the women to feel stuck in the tomb? I can't advance. I can't leave this place. Perplexed. You know, when we we stand back from the human race for just a second and we think about what we see, I believe a lot of what we're witnessing here in America and around the world is people struggling to find something that is missing. People are searching. They're grappling. They're wrestling for value, for meaning. For wholeness. In fact, I believe I've come to understand that a lot of the struggle centers around the idea of validation, seeking for validation. 
Some people believe that what they need, the answer is escape. That they just need a little, little time away to refresh and unwind. And it could be some of that. There are others that believe that it's interests or hobbies that they need. That's the answer is, I need activities. I need something fun to do. And they just need a place to go, let off some steam, sort of refresh, re-energize, get refueled. And it, it could be some of that. There are others that think that it's money. It's money. If I just had more money or if I could get rid of all my debt or if I could, if I could get a raise or really get my career advancing, that's the answer. It could be some of that. And then there are some people that believe and they're convinced it's stuff. I just need more stuff. If I had better stuff, if I had some stuff, if I had more stuff, that would be the answer. That would answer the question of the missing something. It's, it's stuff. And it definitely could be some of that. Yet, what I've found is that when I talk to people, just normal, average, everyday people, professional people, people whose marriages are fine, whose kids seem normal and typical, and they're, they're doing okay, what I hear is the same thing that I hear when I talk to people who are struggling. Marriage is not doing well. Kids are off the chain. And they're struggling to keep up, pay bills, take care of things, and don't know what they're gonna do, and feeling overwhelmed. I hear, this, I hear the same thing from both, and it's basically this narrative. I need something. Something that I need. But let's kind of zoom away from the world for a second, real quick. Let's just let's get our eyes off the broader and just go narrow right down into to us. What are we looking for? What are you looking for? What's the something you need? What's the something that I need? I believe that the key to this is found in Peter's response to Jesus and in the angel's answer to the women. The key to this missing is found in these responses. In John 6, 67 again, we hear Jesus ask the question, are you also going to leave? Simon replies and says, to whom would we go? Lord, to whom would we go? In Luke 24 and 5, the women are perplexed, and as they stand there, these men appear in shining garments and start talking to them. And as they're talking to them, the women bow down their faces to the earth, the Bible says in verse 5, and these men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. And see, these women did not come to the tomb looking for something. They came looking for someone. They were not stuck because something was missing. They were stuck because someone was missing. When we read the narrative from Peter, the other disciples leave because something was missing, but Peter and the other 11 stayed because they had found someone. Look at Peter's response. Are you going to leave too? What's he say? To 
whom would we go? Peter did not say, where are we going to go? He did not say, what are we going to do? He said, who are we going to follow? Who are we going to learn from? Who are we going to grow with? Who is going to lead us? It wasn't something, it was someone that made the difference for Peter and the 11 and the women at the grave. And today, the something that the world is looking for is not something, it is someone. The thing that is missing in our world today is not something, it is someone. When they came to the grave, they didn't care about the tomb. They didn't care about the stone. They didn't care where it was located. All they knew is they were coming to a place where someone they loved was going to be there. And when that person was not there, they felt stuck. What do we do now? See, I just want you to know that I didn't come to this building today because I love this building. I did not drive to this location today because I love the property. I came here because you are here. I came here because my friends are here. I came here because I love you. God did not send Jesus to the earth because the earth was beautiful. He sent Jesus to the earth because he loves you. It was not something that God was trying to do. It was someone he was trying to save. You you and I are that someone. And I want to tell you today that if you're looking for something, you've come to the right place because that's something you are looking for. He is here. The angels answer the women at the grave. So why do you look for the living among the dead? Our friends and families today are looking for something and a lifeless answer. Money, career, hobbies, travel, likes, followers cannot fulfill the void that someone belongs in. That something will never satisfy the longing that a person feels for the someone of Jesus Christ in their life. Only he can fill it. And the angels looked at the women and they said, that he's, they said, that thing you're looking for, he is not here. But church, I want you to also understand today that yes, while Jesus is our everything, Jesus is the someone that fills the need of something that we're desperately searching to fill. He's not the only one that fills the need. That someone is also you. So I mentioned a second ago, I, I, I said, you know, what was it that made 4 a.m. as a five-year-old endurable? Wasn't a whole lot. <laughs> Wasn't the clip-on tie, I can tell you that. What was it that made the... The opera song, shockingly beautiful. What was it that gave the head nodding and the groggy eye and the long early morning sermon? 
endurable. Why were we there? We weren't there because my dad had decorated the entire sanctuary in red, blue, and purple to honor the tabernacle out of the Old Testament. We weren't there to be mesmerized by the flickering fake candles in the sconces on the sides of the walls. <laughs> They're still there, by the way. We were there because our friends were there. That's why we showed up. The thing that made it endurable was that people we loved were there. I don't love this building. I love the people in the building. Yeah. If all y'all said, well, hey, we're going to meet in the parking lot this morning, I would not be standing on this stage preaching. You know, in 2000, I believe it was seven, as we were making the transition back here to Marion, we, we decided that we were coming back to pastor. I had the opportunity to sit with my dad on his back porch uh, as they lived next to the, the old church location. And uh, I sat on the back porch, the back deck with him. And I told dad, I said, dad, we feel compelled. God is asking us to come back and to step into leadership of the ministry if we have your blessing. And of course, it was all in context. It was not a surprise to him to hear that. We'd been talking about something for some time. And I'll never forget him huddled up on the little, uh, you know, some things are very romantic in your memory, right? But in reality, they're sort of like a little wonky. And I remember him sitting in, a, in an old reclining um, beach type chair on a breezy morning, huddled up in his golf blanket and uh, talking with him on the back porch and leaning up forward to say, we feel like God's asking us to come back if we have your blessing. And he looked across the, the alley to the church building. And I'll never forget, he looked away at the building, which caused me to look over at it. And that's how I remember we were looking at it when he said this. And he said, son, I know that someday you're gonna have to move away from this building. I love it, at 88, still dreaming about the growth of the church. He said, all I ask is that when you do, that this building remain in ministry. He'd poured his life and his blood, sweat, and tears, and so many had. Some of you still here today poured so much into that, that location. So just ask the building remain in ministry. I said, okay, Dad, I'll commit that to you. So a few years later, as the church was growing and we needed to move, and we found this building and we began the process of moving in, we were just a couple weeks away from grand opening here and uh, we still hadn't done anything with the old building. There was, there was no church to come along behind or any of that. And so I told Kathy, I said, you know, I'm committed that if it comes down to it, I will go over and stand on Saturday nights and I will preach the message, the Sunday morning message every Saturday night in that building. Ministry will continue. And I was poised, I was ready to go preach to nobody. Which, you know, as a pastor now for quite some time is not a bad thing every now and then. <laughs> because you can imagine the amazing response in your own brain. You're like, people are cheering and standing up and crying, praying for each other over here. It's like, they're just like, this is life-changing, Pastor! And sometimes that's very different than what reality is on a Sunday morning. 
So, you know, an empty building every now and then, it's not that bad. No, I'm just kidding. Sort of. So, but I was committed. I was committed. And uh, thankfully, I never had to do that. A couple weeks before we moved in here, another church that's there today, Logos Ministries, loved their ministry. Pastor Jason and I went there this morning for their sunrise service. It was awesome. And they're still thriving and, and doing things there. And so I never had to carry out that commitment to speaking to an empty building, but I have to tell you, I would much rather be here in front of you. I'd much rather be here speaking to you and encouraging your hearts. Because I recognize that um, Jesus didn't die for something, he died for someone. He defeated death, hell, and the grave, not for something. He did it for someone. He rose again from the grave, thank God, not for something, but for someone. And that was you. And it was me. And a part of what he compels us to do is to be here for each other. So the gathering of the church has never been about the building it's never been about the location. We do everything we can to make this place look nice, be nice, accommodate ministry. I think it's only appropriate that we give it our best. But at the end of the day, it's the people that make the difference. It's the people are the church. You are the church. And as you are grappling with that missing element in your life, I want to just posit the thought for you today. It may not be something. It might be someone. And you might say, well, pastor, I'm, 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 I'm in a relationship with Jesus. I'm committed to Jesus. I understand. Are you committed to his people? Are you committed to his church? Well, Pastor, I'm, I'm committed to the church. I'm committed to being here. That's great. I understand. But are you committed to Jesus? See, it's not one or the other. It's not an or. It's an and. I'm convinced that the, the women that joined Mary Magdalene, I, 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 from what I know about human leadership, Mary Magdalene was the catalyst for the other women that were there at the grave that day. I'm convinced she went for Jesus, they went for her. That had Mary not gone that day, they probably would not have gone either. And I believe today that there are family members, friends, co-workers in your life that would say the same thing about you. If you're going, I'm going. If you're not going, I'm not going. And we know, we've talked about it all through this season, that statistically over 70% of people say that if they were asked, they'd go to church. Why? Why does it take an ask? Because it's not something that's missing, it's someone. And when you bridge that gap of someone, when you say to them, I'll be your someone, they're like, then I'm in. If you're going, I'll go. I don't have the need to go to a tomb today, but if it's that important to you, I'm with you. Let's go. And they'll come along. 
And when they come along for the journey, you get to introduce them not to something, but to someone. All the things that we do here are to point to the one about whom they matter. Everything that we do at Family Life Church points not to the something we do, but to the someone we do it for. And I believe that people in your life just need someone to say, come with me. I want to encourage you today. God loves you. You're valuable to him. The life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ proves that to every one of us. If we'll allow ourselves to embrace it, it proves it beyond the shadow of any doubt that we are valuable to God. And that's all the validation that we need. That's all the validation we need. God loves you. You're someone to him. Everybody say it out loud. I'm someone. I'm someone. Look at the person next to you to say, you're someone. You're valuable. And I want to encourage you to take this opportunity today to come to your own empty tomb. To arrive at your own point of no return. And just commit to Jesus and to his people. They need you. We need you. Commit to it. Just say, you know, I may not like the way the building looks. I'm, I may not like every song that we sing. I may not like some things that are said. I might not like some things that are done. But I like the people. And they need someone in their life. I'll be that someone. And when you do that, that something you've been trying to fill gets filled by someone. <laughs> and that's why we're here today. Because God loves you, loves us, and he needs someone. I want to finish just by sharing something I learned recently from a friend, a dear friend here uh, in our congregation um, Caleb, I hope you don't mind me just sharing this thought. This past couple weeks, Caleb and his family journeyed through um, a time of loss. His grandfather passed away, 94 years old. Am I right in that? Nine, 94. And um, I was talking with Caleb about his grandfather, and I just asked, well, where did he, where did he go to church? And he mentioned a, a small church that he went to, and he said, you know, he went there for 93 years, I believe. What's that? 94 years, 94, somebody say 94. 94. Just, just say that number, 94. It's like 4 a.m., right? 94, it's like, how often do you say that number? 94 years went to the same church. And as we talked about it, Caleb shared with me, he said, you know, it's likely, it's likely that in those 94 years, he had 30 different pastors. I know people that will leave because you don't have hymn, hymn number 463 in the songbook. <laughs> and, and here's this committed yeah. follower of Christ so that's endured transition so after transition after transition. How many people had to come and go in 94 years? But I have a feeling 
that Caleb's grandfather might have reflected what we hear Peter say and what the angels say to the woman. Where are you going to go? But not where are you going to go. Whom will you go to? These are my people. This is my tribe. This is my community. I don't encourage you. And if you're in a place today where you've yet to commit your heart to Christ, we're going to pray in just a moment and give you a chance to take that step. Don't hesitate. He's the someone to the something that you're missing. And then once you say yes to him, become the someone to the something missing in somebody else's life. Commit to the assembly of believers. Commit to this family. Commit to being here. Commit to bringing something with you to give to someone who's in need. Commit to being that someone that Jesus empowers you to be. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this word today. Thank you for the simplicity, the simplicity of it. Holy Spirit, move on our hearts. I know you are right now and show us the divine nature of this gathering, that this is the expression of the body of Christ in the earth. That when we are absent, the world is missing the someone it needs. If the church remains silent and hidden, that something will never be fulfilled in their lives. But that we can be the someone by being like you, Jesus. As your heads are bowed today, you recognize I need to ask Jesus into my life. I invite you just to pray this simple prayer together today. Just say it out loud for me. I'm going to ask everyone to pray this out loud with all of our friends. Just say, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave and you're alive today. Thank you for being the someone to the something I needed, for forgiving me of my sins. Make my heart clean. Restore my hope and help me to be someone for someone else. Amen. Come on, somebody give Jesus a huge cheer today. Thank you, Pastor Jason. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. Our hope is that you are encouraged, equipped, and empowered to live out the amazing life that God has designed for you. We pray that this message was fresh air to you. If you made a decision to ask Jesus to become the leader of your life, we'd love for you to let us know. Please text the word YES to 740-387-7778. If you'd like to reach out to Family Life Church, please visit our website at yourfamilylife.org. Thank you so much for joining us. Have an amazing day.